Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 43 of Tactical Crouch, we're a competitive Overwatch podcast. I'm your host, Kick Tripod, and of course joined by two of the biggest brains in competitive Overwatch. He's your favorite German curmudgeon, Yiska, and of course the Overwatch Oracle himself, Volumel. Hey guys, uh, we had to call a little audible a little bit. We actually planned the show a little bit last minute. We're going to have Curry Shot on the show. Uh, we think we miscommunicated on the time, so we're going to own that one. We're actually going to blame Joe. Yes! I don't know why. I Thank just feel you. like because he's he's now ranked plat in TFT, he's, he's, his head's gotten a little large. For... Yeah, just just keep knocking me down. You know, don't let that <laughs> you gotta ego grow You got to keep him humble. <laughs> Stay yes. humble, bro. So uh, we will get Curry shot on in the future, though. I'm confident that um, we'll make that happen again. We were really looking forward to the show, and, of course, uh, I know he was, too. He loves being on the show. We almost did a podcast together. I don't know if you talked. we talked about this last time he was on, but when I was actually ideating Tactical Crouch with uh, you, you guys, uh, Curry shot me a message. We had run into each other a few times in, in content creation circles. He really liked Overwatch League Daily and wanted to do a show. Mm. And ultimately, we, we were going to do it, and then we just stopped talking to each other. <laughs> we just like... I think he got really busy. He started going, you know, he went to one point and then mayhem Academy and things got busy for him. Mm. Of course I went to the, uh, the overwatch league of podcasting, creating the show with you guys. So we ended up not doing it, but, uh, Curry's a really Damn. close friend and we'll definitely have him on more because we know that we would love you all. Uh, or we'd love to have him on and talk about, it. I know he's got some really strong opinions on two, two, two. And I really want to get his opinions on that really hard but this that is not the show that is not the show this show is us your normal crew we're starting at 7 a.m because we're not going to re-record at 11 a.m just to get the regulars so sorry guys uh but yeah so that's what we've got going on before we get started though uh the the news this week has been brought to you by our patron producers battle crab made and peter y despite some technical issues uh during the last stream we actually had a blast playing overwatch and uh patron games for our, our overwatch and jackbox games for our patron game night we um we actually i found this game mode called tactical crouch and the idea of it was hilarious the idea was you have may hanzo and widowmaker and they they only shoot on a sleep darts so if you hit them, you sleep your enemy, but they don't die. They just lay there and you have to go and crouch on their body multiple times in order to kill them. And I have never been so demeaned in my life. And then also have never laughed so hard at doing the exact same thing to other people. So it was a ton of fun. Joe, Joe, I think was the team captain on the other team. And I believe what was, was our name? Uh, I can't uh, remember. We had, yeeting it out, yeeting it over. Ye something we like had that. yeeting it over and uh, V's viewpoints, I think. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun time. and uh, Almost made the comeback. Almost did. Alas. It's true. It started out, I we're like, Yiska up 3 the, the last game. So, yeah. He it was, like three shots in a row. Four. On, was it four? Okay. Four. four. You know. So it was yeah. a ton of fun. We're going to do another uh, patron game night real soon. And thanks to Yiska for staying up till 3 a.m. And then busting out the tactical drinks 
to uh to stay up <laughs> and, and, yeah. and handle it with us so appreciate it all right so let's go ahead and talk about the news again brought to you by our tactical crouch patrons battle crab made and peter y they are our patron producers if you like the show want to support head on over to patreon.com slash tactical crouch and we've got lots of great uh, uh perks and things that you can do there you know, just helps us pay for hosting and, you know, Adobe Creative Suites and updating our, our vectors and, and logos and stream stuff. And, you know, we're looking at, I think the next thing we're looking at is, is uh, an audio upgrade. So um, not on my side because I work for an audio company. So that's not happening. But uh, yeah, so we're, we're looking at doing that stuff. So every little bit helps. We really do appreciate it. Let's talk about the news. The first one is, is after uh, a few, uh, I guess I would say about a week and a half, two weeks of leaks, we've finally been shown a glimpse of Her Overwatch's Hero 31 Sigma through an origin story short posted uh, on Twitter and YouTube yesterday. We don't know a whole lot officially, Joe, but what do we know unofficially? Absolutely nothing. Nothing unofficially. He looks pretty cool, though, I will say. He looks pretty... Uh pretty interesting he looks uh to be doing something with gravity looks like all the all the leaks up until this point have been very gravity focused you know this guy's been doing some crazy experimentation and i guess has uh broken his his brain box and uh now he's gone off the deep end speaking backwards and stuff so uh i love it yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be weird I love I think. it. I think it's going to be it. very strange. It was very, it was, it was a dark short. Like we've seen some dark, like Widowmaker's like lore origin story about, uh, like losing her, like assassinating her husband. Right. Like she's, mm, she, she had, like brainwashed, brainwashed or and assassinates her husband and like that, like, yeah. can't feel anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yep, yeah, that's dark. But like, there's just like this crazy, this craziness to the the trailer. It was that unnerving. Was really cool. It was just like this is weird. It's it doesn't flow nicely. It's very out of sync. Like there's no there's nothing comfortable comfortable about it. It, it didn't follow like a, a a straight narrative. There wasn't like a linear time of of him talking. It just kind of jump cut it and did some just really creepy and eerie stuff, which was really nice. Um, like you said, like Widowmaker's stuff is is dark, but it wasn't really told in a in a very eloquent way. And I think this one was very very nicely nicely done. It was it was good. All right, Yiska, the science the crazy scientist here. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? Any like any thoughts on for you? I know it's it's Yiska. I'm just gonna call him Yiska from now on it's like i said it, i said sigma is like yiska just three or four bad life choices down the road <laughs> certainly i made the bad life choices in comparison but um <laughs> no the thing is like it made me realize what my consumption of just general fantasy is like like when people told me that this was dark i was like what the fuck this is like the jelly on my bread. This is just normal storytelling, which is everywhere, and usually it's just upbeat boring in Overwatch. That wasn't very dark. He didn't eat orphans. Like Oh, that's that's where dark is for you. Got it. Eating orphans. I mean Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't know. I I just thought it was interesting for once. 
I agree. That's fair. And I definitely think like there is this aspect of Overwatch with this kind of cartoony Pixarian like uh that's not that's not a adjective by the way. We we understood it. though. We got gotcha. yeah. It's it's you know, it's kind of bubbly and cartoony and fun and they they've tried to give it kind of like this serious lore background but even with uh Omnic Crisis and all that stuff it always kind of feels we we haven't seen a lot of that yet. I feel like until we get like the Overwatch TV show on special on Netflix or whatever it's going to be, that's going to be amazing. Until we get that, uh, it's it's always going to kind of feel, I think, less heavy. And this is the first time where it's like, whoa, that's like a far more serious kind of scary uh, turn of events. So, um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. That's what I want to see. Katie and I have like a really twisted sense of entertainment. The sense that we get in a weird mood and we just want to watch like whatever criminal minds or like the weirdest episodes of Naruto or whatever that are just like really kind of weird and twisted. So uh, I don't know if she wants me sharing that on a podcast that thousands of people listen to, but we did. So yeah. Anyways. Uh, we, we don't really have any other info other than like official info other than what we saw in the uh, a trailer that uh, it was just an origin short. So it wasn't a full on not one of the uh, it, the the full on like Pixar Pixar style uh, animated shorts and said it's one of the like origin story ones. But really well done. Really excited to see uh, overall the there's a few Overwatch League people that I've watched who have played him who are pretty optimistic about what he does. The role he plays, we believe he's a tank, it sounds like. Sounds like uh, he might really kind of blur the lines between main tank and off tank, which is really interesting. Um, but until we get more info, we're, we're just not even going to speculate about that on a competitive Overwatch podcast. So Yeah. Should the one thing that I will say is that I found weird was I felt like the the leaks were done pretty well overall, just mm -hmm. so like people could piece it together. It was weird that people that that these uh, trailers in the past, uh, the teasers, and also the the tweets themselves sort of hinted towards the melody or something. Now the the music that plays in the uh, in the background is uh, um, a piece by Satie, I think his name is, and he called himself like phonometrist or something like that. And that's like a person that scientifically measures sound as to then use it for music, I assume. Now, I thought it wouldn't be as gravity based. Yes, gravity would be part of it, but it would be more sound based than it actually was because it felt like the teasers put a special emphasis like one of the tweets was what is this melody right and also we constantly heard that melody in the background so i thought he would be more uh sound based than he now appears to be i mean they could that's like a nice device that they could use to tie in like another character maybe it'll be explained in you know a short comic or you know maybe a future plot that uh maybe is introed through this this strange like subtle hint that like what is this melody what, what's it about why is it being why is he the only one that can hear it stuff like that so yeah we'll see that should be uh should be interesting 
Yeah, so very interesting. We're really excited about it. This is a competitive Overwatch podcast, but we wanted to talk about it because it will eventually affect it, and Definitely. rather than it be a surprise to everybody, uh, that happened. Um, so there you go. You've got it. Let's talk about some competitive Overwatch League news, though. Uh, Izayaki has been transferred to the Shanghai Dragons. So it was re recently announced that uh, Izayaki was transferred to the Shanghai Dragons. He was signed by the LA Valiant during Stage 3 of last season. Uh, the LA Valiant Season 2 has definitely uh, been polarizing, to say the least, as far as where they are recently on the up and up. But still... Um, Overall, not looking great for uh, just like uh, season playoffs and all that stuff. So uh, the bi the big news here, though, is that Shanghai have added Izayaki. And I've got to ask you, is, is this a big deal, Yiska? Is this a big addition to the Shanghai Dragon roster? I think just about the only thing you bring him on for is Zen at this point. And then you got to teach uh, him certainly... Uh, see, okay, I don't want to, I, I don't know, I haven't looked at him in particular, but that, that is like the one thing that a lot of people say about him. But when, when, this, when something like this seems to be so manifested as an opinion, like, here's bad trans usage, and everyone says it in the comments, I almost want to go back and say, okay, let's, let's actually look if that's, that's been true for the last couple of matches that he played. Has it been an issue or has it been worked on? But, um, Overall, yeah, I think it makes sense um, to put him on a completely Korean roster. Not completely, completely, because theoretically there's still Dia. But um, yeah, to just have him uh, on a roster like that, I think it uh, it does make sense. I will also say that in I probably undervalued Luffy a little bit, but uh, I also think he has been peaking in performance during the playoffs, and that's why we have such a high opinion of him now. I like On how you're walking of... back your uh, your <laughs> Chinese comments here as we near stage four and see the Chinese team doing a bit better than we thought they would. Dude, the origin of the pay pig doesn't concern me whatsoever. I don't care. That's not a Chinese team. I mean... Technically, you're right. So, or is it the other way around, or is it technically? I'm, I'm not. Wrong? I'm not about. Just so you know, I'm not going to start classifying teams based on the majority country of origin of their players, rather than the names of their cities. The fact is, is we every Chinese team that was, except for Spark, I think was rated pretty low. I believe you've got a Lord bet on one of those Chinese teams. Again. Shanghai doesn't fit into that uh, into that bag. They're not a Chinese team. They are from China, and but none of those players have competed in. No, that's not true. DM has right. In other than that, there's nothing Chinese about this anymore. Is there anything Chinese about? Uh, I think uh, if I remember correctly, which I, I'll look here after I make this comment, but I think Ding used to play for. Oh, what was the team? It was the T oh um uh WNV Korea, but they weren't allowed to play in yeah. Korea, so they only played in China. So like yeah. he has some like really old Chinese. In two thousand seventeen, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like early, early twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So like I agree, like not not a Chinese team, but like definitely still 
a Chinese franchise. Would would that be fair to say then? True. It just doesn't do anything to the style it plays. Yeah. There's no I mean, like Guang, I mean Guangzhou, right? They're all from largely you have Eileen and Only Wish who are <laughs> Chinese. Right now, I think this is the is this the T one W team? T one W is not, their not, academy team. Not T one W, but the original. So these guys, I, I'm trying to think of. Sorry, my LGD LG is LGD the Korean team that played in China. No, no, that was Lucky Future. Lucky, yeah, Lucky Future. Yeah. LFZ. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, I couldn't remember which L acronym it was. <laughs> Uh, but this is the same team. Guangzhou is a, is the same team that is largely not Chinese at all. Why I mean, does, why doesn't do that apply you, to them? The, it does. I, I think it does. Yeah, yeah. It, it does to a large extent to Hangzhou as well, other than Guangzhou and Crystal. And Crystal, which yeah. brings me back to my original point of classifying them by where they. <laughs> The, their their team names still they were rated they were fine we'll say this there were four Korean teams that were rated very lowly and they're from China when we talked about them before the season is that okay mm-hmm. I mean yeah simply okay. because like the the grouping is just like there has to be some functional differentiator like to say they're a Chinese team is. Uh, it, unless you, we can prove that the money somehow is dried up or that stupider investors make the worst choices in management or whatever, like then, but even coaching is all Korean as well. So, like, so they, let me uh, argue it this way then. We know, well, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with how a lot of actual Chinese teams play after, you know, covering yada, yada, yada. True. Um, would you then would there be an argument for the basis of a style because i think that in particular guangzhou has a very chinese style even though they have korean players would that be more acceptable sure like if you can prove that they made these like again like the grouping only makes sense if there's a functional property if they say we wanted to play in order to uh, attract Chinese audiences with a weird style that like to me functionally for instance Chengdu makes perfect sense a of they course. have project typically all the Chinese players they play very Chinese in terms of what uh, compositions they play weird stuff um and then also their their organization also is um Chinese but the the organization definitely being the you know least telling aspect of those three mm-hmm. Something chat brings up. Great point from Banter Life. Uh, mentions that one of the former, I want to say he was a DPS player, may have been support uh, for Miraculous Youngster Creed, is actually an assistant coach for the Shanghai Dragons. Is that uh, sway you in any way? Uh, they have a Chinese coach that may be influencing the strategy a little bit? Sure. Then, okay, then uh, uh, Philly Fusion is now British. True. It's a British True. team. My my favorite European is the team. Canadian play style of the Toronto um, or Vancouver Titans, personally. It's uh, really really strong. I love I love the Van the Vancouver play style. <laughs> Go Canada! Very, yeah. Go 
Yeah, alright. That was a rabbit hole we didn't need to go down, huh? Also, another another little tidbit from chat that uh, we could probably talk about is the Fraggy and Kib trade, and Bishu trade as well. Fraggy and Bishu to uh, Guangzhou, and Kib to Philly, I believe, was the, the movement. Was that any, this uh, last week? On that? Um, I oh, don't yeah. remember talking about it. I don't, I don't remember, remember talking about it, it either. No, no, it was, yeah. Was it this week? Okay. Mm. So yeah, any yeah. any thoughts? I think it's pretty interesting. It's so for Guangzhou, it might make some sense. Um, it's weird to see Kip go to Fusion because is it? Yeah. Why? I, what? Why do you? When do you play Kip over Ikyo? On hey. green at at best. Yeah. I, I you know think we're not going to see in stage four. <laughs> Probably a whole lot of break. Yeah, that is a weird one. I think that is just something to apply some pressure to EQO so they have a backup or whatever. Um, but other than that, I don't. I don't see uh, Kip getting much playtime. Um, I mean, he is pretty flexible. If there's if there's some sort of weird, strange pick, also like he did play hit scan, if I remember correctly, for Hurricane back in the day, if they needed it. So if there is like a double hit scan meta, him and Carpe can see some play time. Like I think he's a great glue piece for the team. That if they need some sort of flexibility, they can sub him in and, and have tailored strategies around him, and it's not just the same rigmarole with this team because like we mentioned previously they don't look like they're necessarily enjoying their time together so this might not even be a uh a logical move it could just be like okay we need the team to have some sort of revitalization we need to inject some morale maybe if we change things up maybe things would get a little bit better any any likes to stand on there sure what like, about yeah, replacing like what about not thinking about replacing eql but uh poco it's possible on hog definitely mm. i mean if that's, if that's uh, yeah maybe if that's going to be the meta and it he fits then yeah I mean, who knows like 222 two, two is <laughs> we i don't know that's if we the, really, that's a weird thing it's it's a little bit like going into stage one right we don't really know what the meta is going to be we've we've got our little birds chirping but we also had our little birds chirping before uh, stage one as yeah, well. I heard and that spark was supposed to be super sick, and look where they ended up stage one, you know? So it's. It, Defiant, it's hard remember, to say. Defiant were beating everybody. And then, Here's uh, the. Well. Yeah. Here's the thing. I understand that Fusion is a, uh, um, an organization that isn't as looking at every dollar as strongly as other organizations they are definitely an orc that will rather bring on players for the eventuality that something happens they are not a florida mayhem season one who had seven players they definitely will have um more and just to cover for all the eventualities that might happen now what i don't understand is why you then don't try to get another main tank because the eventualities are also that Sado is not working out, and I'm not sure if you're that confident after the season you've seen so from him so far. So I like if you're building for all eventualities, where's the main tank? 
that you just traded off to another team. Hmm. Yeah, I... I don't know. Well, I mean, They're a weird bunch. Yeah, I think I think Kib, even though he's signed on and technically like as DP, I don't think there's a technical DPS. I think that he Sato is supposed to be their main tank and Kib is supposed to be their off tank. I think that that's what we're gonna see if we if we see Poco move off of Flex. But I think that's a that's that's an interesting conversation on if that's actually uh, going to be the case, right? We'll just have to see. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't necessarily know if Poco will move off of Flex, um, but Kib might just be a better fit for the meta, and Poco will maybe even play some maps that uh, fit his his Flex playstyle a little bit more, or or the heroes that he specializes in. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily assume that he'd be moving away from the role if if that's what you're saying. Well, and there are some rules as far as the two 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 role lock in the sense that. Um like players actually have to stay in their role for the duration of a map. Yes. So uh, there's, there's some challenges here and they actually actually, they have to change seats uh, if they change roles. So like if Poco goes from a DPS role or uh, not, whatever Poco, but uh, if, or whoever goes from a DPS role to a tank role, they actually have to unplug their things, go down to a DPS seat. The person who's sitting in the DPS seat that they're taking has to go and either uh, move to the tank or whatever. And that shuffle needs to happen. So it's not quite as uh, limiting as, you know, Hey, you can't have uh, three DPS in this map, and we just coded it in to do that. Instead, it is you, you, you in the map. You need to play tank the whole time. You need to play DPS the whole time. You need to play support the whole time, uh, and you can switch during maps. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little bit interesting, I guess, is what I would say uh, for that. So, um, yeah. Anyways, that's all we... What? What is that? Why is that playing? Rise and shine, what? boys. I mean, it is 7 a.m. The sun is shining. But I, I just... What? Oh, here's what it says here. Alarm! That's turned 18. Oh, no. Oh, I didn't get it. Okay. It's time, boys. It's time. Yeah, yes, is the one that should be excited. Not, not yeah, I was, cringing. and then this happened, and now I kind of. You know what? I'm giving myself a. Because <laughs> I can do that. Alarm has yeah, turned 18. He's uh, technically eligible now to play in the Overwatch League. And um, I know. Uh, there's a lot of people who are really excited about this. Joe, weren't you one of the. In, on Minerals Podcast, didn't you. Set alarm Not up as a franchise. No, I was lying. That was Yiska. That was Yiska. Sorry, same person at the end of the day. All right, Yiska. Yeah, alarm's eligible. Yeah, and you got the alarm playing. <sighs> so you're in a good mood. Yeah. Tell us um, why this is a big deal. I think he's nuts. I think he like I I saw him at takeover. 
the way this this guy is just something about him, you know, like a, an aura of confidence where I don't think that he would ever crumble under pressure, under like uh, d the increased pressure that he would feel on the Overwatch League. Say, I don't think he cares. Like he will just perform the way he has been performing for over a year now. For me, he's the most clutch flex support we have in the game. I know people say, for instance, Jonag is pretty clutch. I said on the on the show with Mineral, if you put a gun to my head for my life, uh, four v six situation or four v five, you put, either put in Jonak or Alarm. I put I choose Alarm every time. I think he's the more clutch player. The the things he does on Zen maybe. Maybe not as consistent, absolutely consistently. Maybe the average Jonak has is higher, but like the the outbreak potential that this guy has is nuts. Um, and also getting him very early, like I think he he's going to be the the highest bidding player next season. All right, Joe. You don't feel um, that way. You said when I asked you the question, you said not at all. Which no, I mean, I I wouldn't. That definitely shouldn't um, paint my view of him. Um, I am excited to see what he or er, er, kind of measuring him against some of the best flex supports in the world. Um, I think he's going to make a giant splash on whatever team he lands on. I think it's probably going to be Philly. I think they're uh, pretty intelligent in, in the way that they do things. So I think they know what they have. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a, a gigantic splash. I'm not as high on alarm as, as Yeska is. I'm a, a little bit more conservative um, in my view of players. I need to see, you know, he has been able to do these uh, impressive and very clutch performances at the contenders level and, and dominate North America. Now we see them in Korea struggling a little bit. You know, it, it's not as easy as what uh, maybe some people had thought it uh, would have been. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, so far he looks fantastic. But what happens when he actually goes to the league? Is he going to be as uh, groundbreaking as we think? Um, time will tell. Um, nobody could have assumed that Jonak was going to be as good as he was, you know, his rookie, rookie kind of a stage and, and the performance that he had. So there's always room for, you know, it happened once. Why can't it happen again? So we'll have to see. I'm not as bullish, but I'll be happy to be wrong. All right. Fair enough. So that's, that's exciting. I know, I know a lot of people are, are really alarm has a, Gushway level of expectation, I think, put on them once they um, slash if they are called up to the Overwatch League roster. So uh, there, we we have to talk about it. Um, yeah, of course. Hopefully, they Gushway and don't flower, and we. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, know. flower hasn't even had a chance to play. To be fair, which could mean one of two things, right? Could just be just not, it's just not there. But we're not ready to talk about that. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think the community as a whole is ready to hear about if if Flower is Overwatch League caliber. And so that's that's a convo we can't have today. No. A convo we can't have today is Overwatch League picks. So uh, the Overwatch League announced kind of in a stealthy little blog post on the website that. Starting in stage four, we will have 
a an official Pick'em style Overwatch League um, game that will be available on the Overwatch League website as well as the app. Tune in an hour before the uh, uh, broadcast starts. Twitch player loads automatically, but starting on twenty uh, July twenty fifth, you'll see a league picks panel on the right side of the player on desktop and below the player on mobile. Uh, all you have to do is connect to your battle.net. Once you're logged in, you can start making picks in the picks tab for each match. You'll have a series of questions for you to make predictions for. So it's not just who wins and who loses, but there could be other aspects as well. As well, there'll be match or map specific based on the teams and the rosters. Submit your answers up to two minutes before the start of the match. Additional questions for upcoming schedule matchups will be added an hour before the start of each subsequent match. An alert icon will appear at the top of the League Picks tab when new questions are available. Uh, for each question you get correctly, you get a single credit that will count towards your completion of challenges. So there's that. You can track your progress, all that stuff. And uh, each challenge reward is 25 League tokens. So basically for each 25 or for every uh, challenge you complete, with the challenge credits that you get, you get 25 league tokens. So complete four challenges and get a league skin. Uh, Speaking of league yeah. skins, did you happen to see like the, so the league has their like, um, like skin in the game, little like side event that like, if uh, you, you kind of wear, one of the skins for one of the teams in ranked for like X amount of days, you it would record it and there was like a stats page. Did you happen to catch that? I think Giska might have, but did you happen to see what that looked like? And who might have been leading just in terms of popularity of, of team skins at the moment? Oh, I know this one. Mm, no, I didn't. You didn't catch it? And then may have been John. Shanghai is crushing. Everybody's favorite Chinese team. Yeah. Shanghai is crushing. At least they were. I don't know if they are now, but like I got sent uh, a screen grab of the, the kind of breakdown of the top 10 and they were just like by and large, like the first place team. It was actually pretty crazy. Yeah. I wonder if I can find this. Um, it was, it was very, very cool to see. They already won. Apparently, says chat. I don't know if that's confirmed because I've been debated by chat before, a la last episode. So I'm gonna need a little bit of proof, <laughs> Mr. Chat. But it does uh, support my claim, so you know, stroke that ego. I what interests me is what gathered the amount of fans. Is it that because they were the first I think it's Chinese just the narrative. I think it's just their franchise history from being such a dog garbage team in season one and being that underdog like we you we want to kind of almost see them win so it's it kind of becomes fun to root for them and just be let down and then for them to win a stage and look convincing doing it i just posted it yeah that's crazy yeah like yeah it's, it's not cool. it's not even close San Francisco shock. So it, it literally looks like nine, like 80% Shanghai dragons. 
Er, and then the other 20%, you have San Francisco in second, LA Valiant in third, Houston Outlaws in fourth, Philly Fusion in fifth, LA, or not LA Rain, Atlanta Rain in sixth. And then the other, the other bottom four don't even have like bars, I don't believe. The, yeah. The, the thing is, they're very small for the Fuel, Gladiator, Soul, and Titans. There's no other Chinese team. That is the crazy part to me, which makes me believe it isn't only about the Chinese audience. Yeah. Or it could be that they were the first and the big underdogs and the, you know, like, you know, there's probably an aspect of, of that. There's definitely, I think, because weren't the Valiant announced before the Gladiators? Yeah, maybe. I think they I were, think, and overall, I believe the LA Valiant are just, they have a, a little bit larger fan base. I, I would love to see if these skins were bought this season or last season. That That's the interesting part for me. Yeah, when, when you're purchased. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we got that info. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. But... It is cool to see. Yeah. Very, very nice to see that, you know, A, Shanghai's, you know, pulling their franchise history in a complete 180 and the fans are supporting it that's that's i think a very good sign that a people are paying attention even in like a very general sense of like bad team we still like you know bad teams bad teams are fun to root for you know our boy vowels is a cleveland browns fan i don't know too much about football other than the browns are not very good right it's fun to root for them it's fun to see them succeed it's fun to follow them oh maybe this is the year maybe this is the season and Shanghai managed to do it in almost a year. That's yep. pretty wild, and they get the they should be getting the fan recognition for it, and it looks like they are. So hats off to them. Fantastic. To be see, fair, see what happens when you do well, Florida. You get praise. I want to praise you. <laughs> help me. Help do, me. Help you. Do it's better. Crazy how like as a franchise history, it's just like Florida has by far the least wins uh, of oh, all those season yes. one teams. Also, there's exactly one season one franchise that hasn't seen a stage playoff yet. Yep. It's the Florida Mayhem boys. Like, at no point were they even an average. Not even close. No. No. It's it's sad. It's so sad. That's just like, come on. Give me something. You just made these overhaul changes. Not really, wasn't really impressed by them at the beginning, but like I would, you know, give me something. I was holding on to hope. Come on, Florida. You're the last team. Houston got a little bit of a resurgence in stage three. Where's Florida's chance? And I think it's probably. I. They couldn't have asked for a bigger change to justify. Sure. sure. To justify their, their strategy and why they think they can improve. Because if it was another stage of goats or whatever uh it would be Good really luck. difficult to justify but instead they've been given an olive branch and it's like oh what? it's an olive tree it's an olive tree, an olive tree forest an olive tree forest of, that's yeah. yeah there's there's not much larger factors that can change than something like this yeah which can really throw a wrench in things we already see how uh, you know, small to medium meta changes affect some of these teams. Speaking of the Houston Outlaws, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely uh, ways that Florida can improve here. Hopefully they do. 
sadly, it's going to be too little too late, I think. Um, but at least they can go out on a strong note, make a strong case for their current roster and their current organization, and hopefully uh, show that they're deserving of being in the Overwatch League, I guess, is what it kind of comes down to. Uh, one more thought on uh, Pickham's overall and and sk- i guess more skins is i do own more washington justice skins than any other team you own more washington justice skins is that what i just heard yeah. why if i'm not not to not the to same, discredit anything but like why the same reason why well and this is why i wanted to bring it up it's the same reason why my i had last season i had the shanghai dragons as my little icon and this season i have the washington justice is because it's kind of a meme at this point uh, sorry justice see. fans but hey i'm sending uh money to you all in a way kind of not yet i was gonna bring that up i'm like don't teams get like a cut of these sales? I think and revenue it feels sharing like they're just is handing season. out. Ah, okay. It yep. just feels like they're just like dishing out league tokens left and right, which I think is good. But it's like, if this is supposed to be like revenue for the teams, are they getting like reimbursed like internally for these or no? Because they're yes. kind of bad. Yes, they they are. Mm, okay. So right. yeah, it's not like they're just robbed. Yeah, it's just like, well, they just got it through watching the game. They didn't actually pay. Sucks to suck. But think of it this way, you know, like the way that they would have to set that up and without official confirmation in that, the way that they would set it up is you watch a certain amount of Overwatch League. Overwatch League knows roughly how much time is worth money. So let's say you watch 10 hours of Overwatch League. You get 100 League tokens, but advertising base, it makes them Mm. five bucks. So they send you a $1, like, we'll just call it a $1 skin or whatever. Sure. Uh, it's because that's how much you can buy it for, right? A hundred tokens is a buck. No idea to be completely honest. Uh, league token shop prices. I can't check it right now, but if somebody in chat, it is can, what it is. but it's whatever it is. The, the amount that they get from you watching is greater than the amount that they give away within a market mm. right and then obviously they have the bonus 100 tokens and all that stuff 100 tokens is five bucks well there you go all the more reason to you know uh, say that. so basically it's just that's all it is um hmm. by watching the game you're generating revenue in one way or another so. i cannot see how like i mean i Probably in general, it's it's true, and it's also that um, like the, nothing really production-wise, uh, other than paying the designer that you would need to anyway in order to create the skins for the broadcast. But like five bucks for dude, I have probably twenty-five skins. I've never spent anything but the All Access Pass. Mm-hmm. I probably have thirty skins, maybe thirty-five. Yeah. You get a lot, but again, to your point, it's a pretty, uh, fixed overhead cost, right? Like, they're not putting additional money into probably, or at least meaningful additional money into those away skins. So even then, if it costs you $50,000 or whatever to design those skins, you're for sure getting more than that, right? The, The thing is, 
I mean, it's pretty clear that they're trying to emulate the system that CS had, right? First, you got the drops from the broadcast, and mm -hmm. now you can bet on the games and get skins as well. Or well, I mean, you're not betting, like you're picking, really. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the thing is, it's like whatever itch <laughs> that was difference. scratching for CS, sure. it's basically like when, when you ask, like, for instance, you ask your mom, oh, mom, can you scratch? And she's like, yeah, sure. And it's scratching like here. And she's like, here? No, a little bit to the left. No, other side. That's the other left. Closer, closer. Okay, a little bit up. That's down, mom. And this, <laughs> this is what, I, what it feels like to have these uh, things introduced. They're kind of lukewarm, you know, lauvam additions to the broadcast, but they're never Lauvam. like... Let's go. Damn, damn, we're getting sick, like... It was really exciting to see us. It's like, oh, I got a box. Now let's open that box. And there's a potential for just like a six skin that also has monetary value. I understand why it can't happen anymore because of gambling loss and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But the excitement creator is unequal to what it was in CS. I think that's what they tried to do with like the stretch kind of goals. If you scroll down below like the, the Overwatch League Twitch page, like they have like these stretch like, oh, if you donate so many bits, like as a community will unlock the Overwatch League McCree skin for everybody and then everybody gets that. So it's like a it's it's another way of like trying to get the fans to rally behind something and, and retain almost. I I feel like it that's is inherently yeah. wrong. Like that's a completely wrong idea. I don't want a skin that everyone then gets. Right. Exactly. It, but but what I'm saying is it goes to your point in saying they're in the right idea kind of. Yeah. In, in a way, but it's just like they go off track at the last second and it the idea is not it misses the mark the chance to get free stuff. The idea is the chance to get free rare stuff. Yes. And when I can pick the same uh, Shanghai dragon skin over and over and over again and get the whole thing or whatever, that's just not that exciting, right? I would love to see more customization on your hero. Like, I think it's so interesting. Like, the skins idea is is fine and dandy. It works. People love custom like customization in general and being able to pick like their own favorite skin. But and it was something that was teased, like not teased, but like talked about early on in Overwatch's kind of development. Is like, why not have like weapon skins and just something a little bit more personal that differentiates your Genji from your friend's Genji, at least in terms of looks. Um, I'd love to see that. I think they could do something with that and maybe even copy what CS did with the signatures. I think that'd be really cool too. If, if Giguri is your favorite player, if, if Jonak's your favorite player, maybe you can have a little orb or like the, the divas, you know, mecha arm is like signed by Giguri. Just, just could be kind of cool spray. Yeah. Yeah, I and think it would be like a, a rare of, thing that is is you know needed. I I don't think that they've done an awesome job overall on on like the aesthetic parts of Overwatch, mm. and you can argue that the reason why we're probably going to see Overwatch two this year, whether it's a full new franchise thing or just a PVE thing or whatever, is probably is not probably it's all but confirmed that they're looking to kind of reinject some value into the franchise that. Mm. Um, they're not getting from uh, just your standard consumable 
uh, loot boxes type rewards. And I've made the argument before of like, don't give me seasonal stuff. If you give me a daily shop, I think people will care a lot more. Make some of those a little bit more. Yeah, rare that's than like others. the new hot thing as well. You know, the the limited time shop, only two things in there. You better get them now because you don't know when they're coming back. People, people are crazy over that stuff. And keep in mind, that's just a revenue generating point. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the most consumer fun and friendly, but sure. It, it is it's, again, it scratches the itch you guys mentioned. It's it's rare. It's here. It's now. If you have it, very cool. If not, we don't know when it's coming back. So you, you better buy it now to show that, hey, yeah. you played in beta or you played in week one. The pirate Torbjorn skin hasn't been able to be bought since seven months ago. You better sure. buy it now before you don't get it again. And I think that's that's just like really that that goes across multiple titles. Like I remember when I played like world of warcraft like getting specific mounts from certain you know events was really cool because a they weren't coming back or the the mount would be removed from the game so it's like wow you that's really cool you got to have this like little artifact this little achievement katie you got to got, show off and it was katie got ashes of alar on her fourth try <laughs> i've been grinding it for whatever six years every week at least on one character yeah people want rare stuff even if it's just like stupid icons like i i'm constantly impressed by how well sprays and icons and these little tiny cosmetics do so there's there's definitely a room for it it's just you know needs to be are you buying a bunch of little legends in tft god no i could not i am not the target for cosmetics at at a point maybe i will but i'm not buying a lot i'm not buying a lot maybe i'll just get one and it'll be my little my little legend and i'll be very content with that all right Fair I'm enough. not a I'm not a customizable consumer. Like I'm very cool with just my river sprite. I could not care less. Hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want to open too much of an another can, but like I also it feels weird how resistant Blizzard seems to be to put the name of a player anywhere near their game. Like, okay, now you design a skin for Jonak. But no, but nowhere is the name mentioned. Like it somehow has to fit. Like the, the, it's like it's yes, you have okay. This gun was played by this player on this map during the this and this competition. Mm -hmm. Like they are part of the of the game now. Show their symbolism, and we now recognize uh, symbol symbols for Jonak in in that skin. But like, just mention the guy, dude. Like, just personalize that. Just. I would even go further. Like I know you mentioned uh, the the uh, trading card game where mm -hmm. players influence the story of the yeah of, of the eventual Legend of the Five Rings. How dope would that be if like Jonak was going to be some side character in the Overwatch story now? Yeah, he, him him and Zenyatta are you know training in Nepal, and he's just like another Omnic there. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think it'd be a, a dope little little story to be able to tell. That yeah, even if it's like an alternative league. little universe or whatever, there's lots sure. of cool ways that they could uh, definitely make that happen, right? Mm -hmm. PUBG does the same thing, and I know other games too, where it's like, you know, Shroud has his own skins and wraps on. I keep seeing the Twitch commercial for it. I know, right? For yeah, that. that's cool, buddy. Hey, yeah, it's it's dope. 
Like, oh uh, wow, it matches well. Yeah. Anyways. That's enough skin talk. Let's talk about 222. Yeah. 222 is coming up this week. We have uh, a ton of really great games. I honestly had, I struggled picking all the, the, the interesting games this week. But before we talk about those interesting games, we need to talk about 222 because the impact is, uh, we, we think is going to be pretty big overall on, uh, especially some of the teams have a lot to gain and a lot to lose. Uh, by this switch, so Yiska, give us give us the like the highlights here of what we need to know about two two two. So, from what I understand, and I'll I'll definitely have content on this out sometime this probably on Thursday. Um, two two two. Currently, nobody has a. There, there's no rigid idea what we're playing in scrims. Like there's teams are going wildly different ways. For some maps, they even go and dive again. Like, we've seen a lot of May. Um, we've seen a, definitely a lot of Orisa Hog. Stuff like that happens. Then other teams take it completely different. I think we just need to have the final measurement. Expect the first two weeks to be wild in terms of this uh, until someone figures out what the actual meta is. Or, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, the actual meta is decided by the team that wins the most. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that this is actually the best meta composition, but as it is a social construct meta, it therefore will happen that uh, the team that wins the most in the first couple of weeks will just decide it. Because we also don't have contenders to look at this time around. Once again, it's all on Overwatch League. So yeah, I think that's... that's I think you've got some ideas. Um, that, Clockwork Vendetta? That, you know, obviously Clockwork Vendetta stands out. I think Shanghai has come out with a very adaptable style that they, they've showcased in the end of Stage 3 that they could easily just kind of tweak slightly and, and move into Stage 4 and do extremely well with. Um, I hope it's as colorful as people expect it to be. I have a feeling it's not going to be, especially with how quickly people need those safety nets to fall into that default you know composition or execution um that they just don't have right now so once they see somebody finding some success with like a specific composition i feel like most people are going to gravitate towards that we're going to run that for a good six seven months and then we're going to start to see people deviate away and say well dang we're not maybe so great at this whole bunker thing using it as an example i have no idea if bunker is going to be you know the thing to do but in the case that it is, you're going to see people move away from it just like they did with goats. Um, yeah, I think two to two in general is just very healthy for the game. It makes things a little bit more. Uh, e I, I guess it would be easier to balance just because you have a very clear definition of how the game is going to be played and not just maybe six supports is the new meta guys. That's the best comp because that's how we broke the game this time. So. It, all in all, I think the change is really meant for the game itself, not necessarily for the competition. It sucks that it has to impact the competition as much as it does. Um, but yeah, I don't think uh, the the gripes of stale metas are, are going anywhere. I think that's just inherent with competitive team-based games, is that metas are always kind of are going to exist. So, Yiska, I do want to ask you a little bit. So, uh, do you think the, I mean, the idea around uh, uh, 222 is to, 
again, kind of narrow the the different parameters that you can control so that you can better balance to hopefully bring more variety and variance into uh, competitive compositions. What does is what do you think that this is going to look like for two two two? Are we going to see like counter comping happening multiple times? during maps do you think that we'll just maybe see more map d dependent uh compositions overall uh like what, what do you or if you don't know uh what do you hope it looks like so uh, damn i have a i have a uh article coming out on a on a topic that is pretty much the same just after the show and i don't want to give too much away based on that but a podcast is there to talk so hey everybody um, everybody here just promise if you're listening to the show <laughs> pause it right now and go to upcomer and read the article go, and then just come go back click on it. a few articles go make a sandwich come back you're all good right? <laughs> you, you paid for you paid for the, the done okay done. we're good all right we're back all right unpause okay one of the most important aspects in meta switches and meta adaptations and in variety is time, and we don't have that. Nope. We don't have enough time for these teams to prepare multiple strategies. They will try to focus in on one or two that will be played over the entirety of all maps. Even after a year of GOATS, we had nothing else for the longest time. And then when the midseason rolled around, suddenly teams had A, a good idea what works, uh, or how GOATS works, then also had four weeks to adapt to it, some less, some more, and Therefore, then the innovation came. We're not having that amount of time with a certainty of what is meta and then what counters meta in specific scenarios. And it's not going to be better for playoffs. We are getting a playoff patch. I'm pretty, pretty sure. We're getting this Brigitte patch with like the massive changes that we saw, the Reinhardt uh, displacement stuff, all these, these PTR patches. We can expect them to be between the regular season and the offseason. So we won't have much more adaptation. I think that patch is also pretty severe. But then again, it's not about the severity. Like, we're not going to perfectly solve this meta in stage four. Simply not going to happen. So whatever these changes will facilitate in the, in the playoffs is more a psychological phenomenon than it is actually one of balance in other or for the most part right it's like okay now brigitte is stronger let's give her a try certainly that the fact that brigitte is then stronger makes also sense in some regard that then t teams would actually say okay this is what what it puts a, above the non-playable playable, playable mm -hmm. threshold but most of it is social and is deeply ingrained in the structure of the league do you think there's room to argue that because we saw such a drastic pull away towards the end from stage uh, of stage three from goats that teams might be a little bit more experimental and not so stuck within a, a strict and rigid meta? Do you think that there's an argument to say that um, once experienced that that time question that you brought up kind of compounds in on itself. If you've, if you've been able to break the paradigm once that the next paradigm break might happen a little bit more quickly. Is that, uh, would you say that has legs to stand on? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, 
De- definitely, we're going to have huge volatility in the pr- oh, first couple. Oh, but that's I, I, I genuinely don't know. I don't I because I, I think that's the same kind of narrative we said we we posed with the uh, coming into the season is we didn't know exactly what teams were going to be running. We we heard some rumors that there was a lot of different stuff being being played, and lo and behold, it was roughly goats on almost every map until maybe stage end of stage two, stage three. We got to see a little mm. bit of Sombra injected. Um, I have a feeling that we're just going to come in and it's going to be whoever found success early. That's what people are going to be running. They're going to learn from just playing them over and over. We hear the rumors that, you know, people may have scrimmed against Paris early, didn't do very well, but got the fundamentals very quickly from scrimming a team that was kind of situated to be a very good GOATS team or, or at least had a lot of practice to be a good GOATS team in Europe. Um, I, I think that's going to happen again. I think there's going to be a team that pulls ahead early and they're just going to get kind of uh, reverse engineered and somebody's just going to improve upon it. So I, I, I want to make you both put your money where your mouth is. Okay. And so uh, what, I, what I want from both of you is two teams that you have the think are going to do the most well with the, is that a thing? Uh, anyways, uh, running two, two, two. We'll start there. Joe, which two teams do you think on paper have the most to gain with these two, two, two changes? And it doesn't mean that they're all of a sudden a playoff caliber team. It doesn't mean that they're, and it just means that based on their performance in before in the past, that they're going to, they're going to do well in this, this meta, whatever we're calling it. I don't, I don't want to, I feel like there's some very generic cop out answers. Like I feel like Shanghai is a very easy one. They've already shown a complete style shift away from goats. They could, I feel, I am very confident that they could easily, you know, tweak uh, a positioning or or a resource use or where a resource is positioned or or invested in, um, and they could probably run a very similar style in stage four. So I think that they're easily a, a nod here, uh, but I don't want that to be one of my choices because I feel like it's a complete cop out. Um, I'm excited for a lot of the, the the Chinese franchises, not the Chinese teams. Careful, um, yeah, I yes, gotta be careful. Will. Don't, want, don't want nobody pounce. <laughs> like I, I think um, I think Guangzhou has has some some pretty potent players that should uh, see some some highlights in in the two 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 meta. Um, I'm excited to see what Chengdu looks like, what they're gonna approach this this meta as, or what that might look like. Um, but my two, I'd say, I'd say Guangzhou and, and Spark. I think Spark has a lot of flexible pieces. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say Guangzhou and the Hangzhou Spark. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what about you, Yeska? Who are your two? Dude, it's so hard. So I think if Philly wins both matches against the Guangzhou Charge and against the Chengdu Hunters, the first stage then they they like it's not that then they prove to me that they're very Mm. good it is that they then don't tilt of the of the planet because like it is just sometimes uh, managing player psychology right like this is a reset they know they can play dps certain characters in their team will now you know have uh will rejoice in, in the new meta and whatnot if they can win those two matches, I think they might 
even play top teams close, like uh, Vancouver, that they are playing in like stage uh, week three or something. Um, so my pick would be Philly first and foremost. <sighs> Dude, I don't want to sp say Spitfire. I, I <laughs> you kind of have to. It would be so unbranded for you, though. I don't want to. I really don't want to. Um, in your heart, you do. Yeah, I think it's happening. I think it's happening. Again, I haven't looked at their schedule yet, but these guys definitely need to do something in order to get... They start against the fuel and the defined. I mean... Can you imagine if they, like, look about... weak? <laughs> and then they play the charge and the mayhem after. Okay, and then they play the titans. But week one, week two is like, okay, you have double ma weeks. But come on, man. You gotta start somewhere. And that is basically somewhere. So... Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying London and Philly. London and Philly. All right. Both of those teams. So let's just take a look at this. So London currently right now at seventh. Philly in ninth. That's a though basically you're saying that they're gonna be have no problem uh qualifying for playoffs, at least through the play ins. Play ins, yes. Yes. That's what I think that is almost out of the question with their and then uh, Joe, remaining you, schedule. you said Guangzhou and Spark. Yep, Charge and Spark. So Charge sitting at twelfth right now and nine and twelve. Spark sitting at fourth, fourteen and seven. Wow, what a season! They, um, it, it's interesting, right? Because if you go from sixth place to sixteenth place, there's only a, a four win difference. Meaning one really good five and two six and one stage, and one really bad, you know, five and two or one and six and two and five stage is the difference between a team all of a sudden, you know, going to the bottom quarter of the league mm -hmm. versus qualifying for play-ins here. So there's a lot on the line for a lot of teams right now. There's probably ten teams who, uh, reasonably can can find a way to to in a crazy world be uh qualifying for the season playoffs at the end of the season right so it's really interesting i do have to ask you though and i alluded to this earlier who's got the most to lose here which teams are you worried about won't be able to make this adju adjustment they built their identity around whatever goats or uh a non 222 overwatch and now a two 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 are going to struggle, Joe. I think the writing's been on the wall for a long time. Um, by long time, I mean since maybe stage two towards the end of it. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the NYXL. I think that this they as a team for me need a lot of time. They're grinders. It feels like we hear stories about them practicing throughout the offseason to figure out how they wanted to play goats. And they had a very distinct style. And once that was, you know, broken down and, and abused, they tried to shift away from it. And they really never got back to that same level of form. And I think this just complete shift away from how the game was played. Um, is going to probably affect them the most out of the top teams, out of like the big upper echelon teams. I don't even want to put them in the top three anymore. Um, I think they're going to fall farther than I think we've seen. I think it's going to be very uncomfortable to say that the New York Excelsior may finish sixth this stage. 
it's going to be weird, but I could I could seriously see it happening. Well, that would be a bit. They're New York NYXL right now are nineteen and two. Uh, the sixth place team is twelve and nine, meaning that they would have to have a pretty. I mean, just for the stage. I think just for the stage. Okay, standings, oh, the I, stage. I, not, not seasonal. Not I, seasonal. Was just I think like, that'd be pretty that's, difficult. That's tough. That's near impossible. I was going to say, that's like a <laughs> one in six. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll be that bad, but I could see them maybe going three and four. I don't know. I don't have their schedule open, but I think that they're going to have a hard time. The classic, think, uh, things are gonna the classic be close. stage four sandbag. I get it. I mean, they could. They are practically qualified at this point with how weak. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I. W I don't think it's a fair excuse these days, just because of how new the game's going to be. Playoffs, like you're saying, very likely you could have another patch. I don't think it's. In a I don't think like you can this. sandbag here. Yeah, I think you need all the help you can get in playing on stage. Might as well just be another scrim block for you. And if you want to view it that way, I think that's fine. But I wouldn't call that sandbagging. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Yeska, what about you? Who are the two teams, two teams that have the one. most to um, lose? Did you choose two? two no, you just I just, I just, yeah, I just picked NY. Really quick, without justification, who's one? your other one? No justification at all. Uh, Soul. All right. Fair enough. Yiska, NYXL and Soul for Joe. What are your thoughts? Outlaws. And what do they have to lose? I mean, they're going to be worse than a playoff team, like top eight team, five and two. I mean, yeah. And uh, I think, I mean, by the same token, I would say probably Paris Eternal. Like, I, I, I guess I see what you're saying. I like, think they're I, going to get worse than... They because were, yeah. they're they're dropping in terms of power because of the change, like they're missing play in potential. Like I, I, I think I see what he's saying. It, I mean, it's not as you know fun, but sure. If you ask me who the team is, the top team is that is most likely to fall from grace. That's easily the spark. Really? No yeah. Or is that just wishful thinking? <laughs> no, they, it's they, they is not even. It's a Yiska wish. I, I think he's not even in, uh, in America. No, I don't think he is. I think he's in China. Or like, maybe Korea. Yeah, I, I think they're... Nah, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of their DPS players. But then again, we gotta... I do it too, but there's this tunnel vision argument. It's like, okay, we have an established idea of what a team is, and now we just add the modifier of the DPS into that equation, and we outcomes the standing of... No. Absolutely not, not. Yeah, it is much more important to look at the front and back line and say who would, how would they play in a bunker meta, in a dive meta, and really, once again, these are metas like DP. There are no DPS metas anymore in the sense that the DPS are the carries in those uh, situations. Most of the time, historically, tanks and backlines have carried teams, with few exceptions. For instance. Philadelphia Fusion last season, and then large parts also um, Spitfire at some points, but even then their front and back line were pretty good. Or, like, their right. front line was nuts, their back line in part nuts. In part nuts. <laughs> okay, there you go. I needed one Yiskism. 
before we uh, got, got out of the show. We do have some matches I want to talk about today. And uh, we'll definitely, I think, probably do a uh, 222 retrospect next week, right? Uh, once we see a week, hopefully a we week can put our two, two, two. Yeah. Oh, hopefully boy. we can get our bearings a little bit, combine our brains and at least walk away with some collective thoughts on, on what, what we're seeing. Um, be exciting. but let's talk about the week one matches here. Cause there's some big ones like Ooh. this one, the number two NYXL 19 and two going against the number five LA gladiators at 13 and eight gladiators are one and two against NYXL all time. They beat them in the stage in stage three of last year is the last time the gladiators beat NYXL. Um, we're going into a new meta. Uh, Joe, you said NYXL has a lot to lose here. Does it start by losing to the LA gladiators? Historically LA in terms of the gladiators, the, the purple LA team um, have always had a, a very distinct style they have a lot of set plays everybody you know recalls their king's row strat that tilts me to no end um they early on i remember watching a game versus soul they they were kind of early adopters with surefire and sombra if i remember correctly um i i do think they're gonna come out swinging and i i i think i have them beating nyxl here i'm gonna say like three one gladiators over nyxl maybe even two one maybe there's a tie in there somewhere all right. Interesting. And how big of a factor do you think two 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 is into that result? Oh, insane! It's, I I think it's what's going to put NYXL in like a slight spiral. Like I do not think that they're ready for this. I think that I, if I view the team and if I have a, a good read on how they function as a unit, they need time to really grind out the ins and outs of the composition that they're playing and because there might not be a set composition they're going to have to figure out what they want to do and it is a gamble on whether or not it's going to work and we're already starting to see them fall off i think that's going to continue and i think gladiators are you know they bounce around in the upper echelon but i i feel like they have some sort of cushion with this this table flip of a, a meta change. I think that they have the flexibility, not to say that NYXL doesn't, but we haven't seen those players play in, in so long that there is a there is a little bit of ring rust concern there for me. Um, it's a lot of little things that I think stack up against NYXL and LA has you know room to room to prove themselves, and I, I think they're going to win. And the gladiators have kind of shown us, right, that they can kind of survive and adapt and do well in um, just about any meta. Doesn't mean that they're going to be the best. They, I don't know if no. they've got the ability to 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 just be flat out number one team in the world in X meta. But we also get to see decay. Who knows? If the numbers are true, you paid totally a lot of money for them. Yeah. Now you get to see them actually play some DPS heroes. We we might see uh you know the the star player that we were we were promised. Fair enough, Yiska. What do you think about NYXL versus Gladiators? Do NYXL have some sandbagging to do in two two two? I'm gonna I'm just I gonna mean, soak the sandbag comment for a while. Just keep winging them. <sighs> I mean, there there are other teams that might just as well sandbag at some point, like Vancouver Titans. Like yes. They are in the stronger division. I'm surprised like, they haven't yet. Yeah. Like, 
They might. They feel like a team that would. Yeah. Like, your perfect season's over anyway, so might as well. It's very hard to lose first place. Uh, Do some experimentation, but, throw people around, uh, put in who reg, I don't know. Okay, yeah. so that wasn't what I asked, though. Is NYXL going to drop off? Is so who wins no, no, between no, NYXL and LA Gladiators? Oh, <laughs> I think NYXL. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I had to respond to a, a chat message, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not following this. Did I miss? Did yeah. I miss something? So okay, mm. so uh, you think NYXL beat the Gladiators? Yes, I don't. I don't share the the same. Uh, Pessimism towards them that Joe has. Any reason why? I think NYXL. For one, you can feasibly now play, likely play, Sebiobi again on a role he isn't absolutely poop at. Sure, and sure. Also, I think Nene coming in is just like, he should be one of the best uh, DPS players in the league. Uh, Mano, like the front line doesn't look terrible. Uh, we know Mako can play uh, Hog, for instance. Um, and the back line, of course, is also not a terrible, in a terrible situation. They have the flexibility on the flex support, like, uh, Jonah can play both. Can play Ana, for sure. Um, Great Ana. Also, like, yeah, okay, they might, they might, like, that's, that's probably the one game that will drop other than to Vancouver, I think it's week five. Yeah, I mean, if, if they drop off, that it will not be noticeable. It is possible that they lose. Like, I would say 60-40 NYXL. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be super confident on LA either. I think it'd be like a 65-35, 60-40 kind of bet as well. Mm -hmm. Just flipped. Cool. Fair. Well, let's go on to match number two. Uh, Dallas Fuel currently seated 10th for 10 and 11 on the season versus the number seven London Spitfire 12 and 9. Dallas one and two against London, but they haven't played this season. It's a kind of do or die time for London here, Yiska. They've uh, there's Dallas, there's yeah. a lot, but yeah, for both for sure. There's a lot of variants, and uh, there's a lot of sorry variables that are going on. Mm. We've got you know literally ten teams right now between six and sixteen that yeah all don't have unrealistic play-in options if they have a there's probably a pretty good chance that six through ten one of those teams has a bad stage and there's probably a good chance 10 yeah. through 16 one of those teams have a an excellent stage so there's a lot of opportunity here both are kind of i would say uh dallas a little bit more than london obviously have a lot more to lose as far as qualifying for those plans london has a cushion but uh we haven't heard you really uh I mean, is you know, so we've talked about London already, right? Uh, so is is this where they start kind of looking great, right here? Yeah. Dallas think, Field, uh, put them in great, their place. I don't know, but it will be a convincing three-one or four-one. Mm. One of them. I mean, that that looked pretty great to me. What well, against Dallas? Yeah. Is, do you not think Dallas is uh, going to benefit from a two-two-two meta? No. Not at all. <laughs> Why not? The only reason I didn't mention them is because they already had a terrible stage three, right? It's it's not going to be better. Like I can't not, see it getting. This better. is not affect uh, 
envy anymore. Um, the only axe factor is Taimu. Like if he, if there's a widow mana coming and he can pop off, uh, but then again, he he still won't be the best widow in the world. But he will maybe win you a match that mm -hmm. way. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, there's I nobody think... on this roster that like excites me to see them in two two two. No, no. All right, Joe. What about you? Who's coming out on top in this one? I say that. I really have no clue who is going to win this match. This is London in and approaching a new metagame, which historically they have been absolutely abysmal at. And a Dallas Fuel squad that is not looking great. Let's face it. Um, they, I, there's nothing that inspires hope for me coming into 222. Um, Again, it, it's so hard to actually kind of picture what a meta might look like. Um, it, it does Note have a hog? If if Arisa Hog is going to be super influential, if not, do they have somebody sub in that's a specialist? If you do that, that limits your kind of flexibility in terms of your compositions on that on you know said map. I I don't know. I could probably even see Trill playing quite a bit maybe even at flex tank just to throw a curveball in maybe you just play winston ball or something i don't i really don't know what they're gonna do and on the flip side london again historically not a great team when things are flipped on its head not a great team just to immediately adapt to a new style of play they need their time to be able to get into it and that's where we see a lot of that those upsets that we pin on london is just like oh they're just throwing I think it's more so that they're just not great at adapting and that they need less in this similar to NYXL in the same way that they need to kind of grind it out, but they need to just learn through their losses, it feels like. But I, I think this is going to be an absolute dogfight. I think this is London in five, maybe. Um, it's not going to look pretty. It's going to be a complete cluster. I expect this to be a pretty bad game. Um, should be a good game on paper. Like two pretty evenly matched teams. Records are pretty similar. Seeds are pretty close together. I do not expect this to be a very neat game. I think this is going to be a, an absolute dumpster tire fire and London just kind of comes out less burnt. Fair enough. We've got two more matches. I want to go through them quickly. So uh, because we're running a little bit over on time. Number six, Soul Dynasty. At 12 and 9 versus number 3, San Francisco Shock, 16 and 5. 4-0, uh, Shock. What did you say? 4-0, Shock? Yeah. Okay. Both, really, both of you? Yeah, I'll say 4-0, I'll say Shock. Okay. I got my, bar my gun locked and loaded. <laughs> That's the next match. All I'm right. about to execute this Fair next enough. match. Fair uh, enough. Well, Soul Dynasty up again for the next one. Uh, Shanghai Dragons. A seed versus Soul Dynasty, six seed. These two have not played in in season two at all. Yiska, you holster Holds here. Up that gun real quickly. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> this one might need to be a little bit uh need a little bit more discussion here. Yeah. Um so which which of these uh, tell me your thoughts. I think it's Shanghai. Um based on the the trajectory you've seen from them. I think they might carry some of that uh, knowledge over uh, into the next stage. I certainly expect Farah to be played on some maps. 
um i don't see it necessarily being um like i don't think we will see a huge power shift i don't think shanghai will be the best team in the overwatch league in stage four but um i still think they should look better than Seoul. fair enough what about you joe yeah very similar points um that experience from the end of stage three again mentioned it quite a few times now that i think it's going to roll over um and i think they're going to roll over the soul dynasty i think this is another four zero for the shanghai fair enough the shanghai dragons all right well that's just a little bit of an insight we uh we kind of had a different topic plan for the day with with uh originally planning on curry to be here so <laughs> thanks for I know it probably wasn't our most in-depth match preview, but um, now you know why. We did get one message or one question from the chat, which I think was a really uh, great one. I'm going to just make sure that this wraps correctly. Perfect. So uh, the question was, what is everyone's thoughts on Boston going into a DPS meta? I feel like they have every base covered between uh, checks, blade... Uh, yeah, thank you. Blaze, Stellar, but I'm worried about RCK. Joe, thoughts? I don't think we should be all that concerned with RCK. I think um, he has experience playing DPS. I think he started as a DPS player. Um, I'm pretty confident that he has a Roadhog, so if the, the meta becomes a Diva Hog player, I think he still would be able to fill that, and if not, I'm pretty sure any of the DPS could fill that role as a specialist. Um, the, the worry then is that you're either limiting your compositional choices in the game if you decide to move your DPS to the flex tank role or flex tank like on position on stage. Um, yeah, but I, I'm not super concerned. I think that they in general could benefit from this i just don't know how much again i'm not super familiar with color hex's hero pool blase is been okay on some specific heroes maybe they have some some fun things in the bag for us and stellar has really never been stellar like two names that fit themselves very blase i'm just very blase about and stellar has just never been uh, a shining point for any of the teams that i've seen him play on um good players but I just don't know how much this is going to boost them up. I think they should do okay. Might see a small improvement, but I don't see them making leaps and bounds. Yiska, additional thoughts? Mm, I largely agree with pretty much everything that was said. Yeah, I don't know. I we we gotta see. It's it's such a wild west out, out now. Also, like just what you hear from scrims. Like there's definitely some weird interactions between teams where bottom bottom uh, teams can spike out. I generally don't think Boston has a DPS issue. I, I saw Akaros rate them the lowest team in their own tier. I don't think that's true at all. Okay. Yeah, I, I would be pretty hard for me to say that they're the worst team. I sure. have questions in other places for this team. Like, what does fusions look like on things that are Reinhardt? Um, we've seen him play Winston very well. Um, if Arisa becomes very prominent, does that throw a wrench in their plans? What's going on with their support lineup? We see them constantly rotated around. 
is that going to be fixed anytime soon? Um, to me, that smells of some some behind the scenes stuff. Um, I've never been big on Boston, but they've always kind of proved me wrong. So it's it's hard to rate them accordingly. They they do have a bit of a, a scrappy side to them. So we'll, we'll have to see. I, I don't think they'll be the worst, but uh, I wouldn't be looking at a stage, you know, victory for them in, in any way. I don't think they're going to be placing first by any means. Fair enough. Well, we have to go ahead and get out of here. But before we do, we do want to thank our new patrons and five-star iTunes reviews. Remember, if you want to support the show, you've got a couple ways to do that. You can subscribe on Twitch, twitch.tv slash kicktripod. Uh, follow all the channels, all that stuff. You can also go to our Patreon where we have lots of great perks and advantages to being a patron member, including actual civil Overwatch discussion in the uh, Croucher's only chat in Yiska's Discord. So uh, you can check that out at patreon.com slash tactical crouch man i'm tripping all up over my words today uh but we do have one new uh patron this week don't we joe yes we do coochie copy i asked for some fantastic names and that my good person is a fantastic name coochie copy sounds like something you might find in like an aztec pyramid some sort of like scrawling on a wall like it's a bob's burgers reference I, oh, is it? I don't well, know if beautiful. there's a reference before that, but in Bob's Burgers, <laughs> Louise's little toy is called Coochicopi. Uh, it's a uh, little weird green alien looking thing. So love that. Interesting. Name. Uh, what about five star iTunes reviews, uh, Yiska? Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> we do this every week. He's always caught off guard with it. I mean, we do, don't do it every week. We didn't do it last week. Also, because we didn't did have any last week. I made it. I made I made our presentation very pretty. Um, more heroes Overwatch from the US of A. Uh, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like we're getting one apparently in an hour. Siegel just announced on Twitter that there's going to be a revealed stream of Sigma's abilities. So that's one. But I I want at least another announcement this year. You, I'm gonna tell you right now, chat. Do not miss that. Do not miss Sigma's reveal. All right, there you have it. All right, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, make sure to follow uh, the show at tactical underscore crouch on Twitter, uh, patreon.com slash tactical crouch, youtube.com slash kick tripod, twitch.tv slash kick tripod. You can follow myself on twitter.com slash kick tripod. Uh, oh, yeah, and join Yiska's Discord, discord.me slash Yiska out. Uh, do all that. But other than that, uh, Yiska, shout outs for the week. Where can pe uh, people found, find you? All that good stuff. I mean, I'm, I did one thinking it over last week, I think, but I'm definitely back on Upcomer, regular stuff, can check on my Twitter. Uh, I also curate the social feed there. It's probably, um, in the best of cases, it's a more high quality um, feed of social media uh, submissions than Reddit. At worst, you're just witness to my, or victim to my tastes for the... The social media uh i try to stay pretty diverse but yeah fair enough that's what you can great what about you joe um just kind of chipping away at some things hopefully we'll have an interview with the aforementioned fusions from the boston uprising up shortly a little feature on him and uh you know his his 
ups and downs throughout his career, you know, fairly short career. But I mean, it's Overwatch, so who has long careers? Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of working on some projects, getting getting back in the swing of things. Um, but yeah, just keep on the lookout, uh, and uh, I'll see you when I see you. Sweet. As for me, we already talked about this stuff, so thank you guys for tuning in to episode 43. We'll see you guys next time on Tactical Crouch.